Welcome to The Sale Ring, a podcast dedicated to real estate brokers, agents, and America's top auctioneers that keep the markets moving. Join your hosts, Sean and Trina, as they talk with most successful realtors, marketing and technology experts, investors, and influencers. This show is devoted to all industry professionals looking to up their game and stay up to date. Welcome to The Sale Ring. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining us for this episode of The Sale Ring. We've got Brian Tease. He's the Senior Vice President of Resolutions Title. He's also the President of Dispersing Resolutions. Brian's in the studio with Trina and I today. We appreciate it. How are you? Excellent. Thanks for having me. You bet. Brian came over from uh, St. Louis, but he's uh, used to a native, I guess, of Kansas City. Exactly. And Born and raised a Royals fan. Yeah, still? Still a Royals fan? Yeah. Uh, yes, but I'm also a Cardinals fan. Remember you own. heard the hesitation there. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Remember, you're being recorded, so. <laughs> it's not 1985. It's like, oh, man. Yeah. We're going to talk a little bit about title, uh, title work in real estate transactions and some of the advancements and things that's happened over the years. Brian, obviously, being an expert of that, and we'll, uh, we'll get into his background. I think you have a background in real estate. Banking. Banking. Yeah, and then tied to real estate, so. Um, Perfect. I had a background where originally I was with Boatman's, if anyone remembers old Boatman's. It morphed into Nations to B of A. So I was with Boatman's in downtown Kansas City in the early 90s uh, in management with U.S. Bank in West County, so West St. Louis. I did not realize Boatman's was the same thing as Bank of America at all. Yeah, I believe that slipped right by me. Yeah, Nations bought them, and I believe Nations technically bought Bank of America, and they kept the BOA name for Bank of America. Yeah, it's pretty clever. Marketing. Interesting marketing. So you're from Kansas City, uh, currently yeah. living in uh, just outside of St. Louis. Yep, Heather and I and the kids are in Wildwood. So a lot of folks not too familiar with St. Louis. It's just southwest of Chesterfield. And the business, Resolutions Title, is up and running in St. Louis. Tell us a little bit about um, geographical areas. So let's start with that. What areas of the country do you cover uh, for title work? So most title companies typically cover one, two, three, or four counties. We're actually a national title agency. A lot of people don't realize that title companies are insurance agencies, that's what we are. You're backed by large title insurance underwriters. We're actually backed by First American's National Commercial Division. It's pretty rare to be approved by that. There's only a few in the country. Okay. We're all, and they're rated number one in the country. The fifth largest is Westcor, which is an underwriter. So we're proud to write on their paper as well. I do serve all 50 states, whether it's an auction deal, it's a res- residential refi, or it's a commercial building. So... I can do an auto zone in San Diego, $10 million church in Kansas City, or a skyscraper in San Antonio. What's the, what's the norm? What do you see come through the door right now that would, you would call the normal yeah. scope of your business? You know, typically, you know, residential, you're going to have more transactions than commercial by nature of what it is. Residential is probably 60% of our book of business. We're heavy commercial. Uh, we also do construction dispersing. To me, I always describe to friends and family, construction dispersing is an upside-down checkbook. The bank wants to make sure that they're protected. The buyer of the building or the home wants to make sure they're protected. We take the funds, and we're going to pay the general contractors, the subcontractors, but we're going to get the lien waivers. Missouri has some very 
uh, difficult mechanic lien laws, and it ultimately is there to protect the consumer and the bank. So we do the construction dispersing as well. Commercial has picked up. It seems to be a good steady market. For us, we do business all over the country, so you get to diversify your book of business a little bit. The bank's rates are still great, so it could be a $300,000 refi of a plumbing company in South St. Louis. Mm -hmm. They could have collateral in Kansas City or Columbia of another business. The bank wants to tie them up, so we can do the search, or sometimes your title examination, Mm -hmm. which is a background check on the property. It's pretty simple. You make sure there's no back taxes, liens, judgments on the property, so the people buying the property are safe, and it protects the lender as well. Very good. Very good. So we're talking about resolutions title. Physical locations. Where's so our your facilities at? Absolutely. So our, our headquarters is in Chesterfield, which is West St. Louis. And we have a Nashville presence, and we have an office in Naples. In Naples, we've got our buddy Jamie down there, who's counsel for us. And we focus more on the commercial side in the state of Florida. Naples, Florida. Correct. How long has uh, the company's been around for a while? Well, I guess more importantly than the closing company, the title insurers and who that you write for out there, there's, those are large companies. They've been around for a long time. Um, it, a lot of, I guess, support or a lot of um, recognition in the title insurance business. So you can have some assurity out there that you're getting good, clean, merchantable title to the property. Exactly. The number one question that an agent typically asks me, or a banker, is who's your underwriter? Well, I have the first and I have the fifth. And a lot of people are represented by those companies. And there's other great underwriters. But they want to know that when they get, it's called a CPL or closing protection letter. I kind of refer to it as the get out of jail ticket. If something happened to our agency and we chose to walk away, the buyer of the property or the borrower in a refi instance, that they're protected in case we went out of business. And that changed a few years ago, at least in the state of Missouri, where it's mandatory. You pay $25, the consumer does, and it's written, this document, two-page document written on, say, First American's paper. Basically, in case the agent defaults, the underwriter picks up the tab in most instances. So it's really important when you're buying a house for $50,000 or $5 million or a building that you are working with a title company backed by a reputable insurance Underwriter, there it is. Works works very similar to the insurance that you'd buy on anything else. Exactly. There there are some discount solutions out there, obviously. (laughs) However, you know, let's talk about auto insurance. I I mean, you can uh, you can go out and and get your auto insurance from somebody that you saw on a billboard or on television. You have an accident, and there's a million reasons why they're not going to pay that claim. They're exactly. Well, the funny thing is, in the uh, late '90s, I was with two of the largest insurance. Uh, claims departments in the country. So I've seen my fair share of uh, claims and people not having good coverage. Insurance is only as good as the claim that gets paid and the claims department. So that's why we as a title company, title agency, like any reputable group, you want to be backed by a solid underwriter with a good claims experience. Because the only reason you buy insurance is for the claims paying ability. So when you came into the studio, we were having that conversation earlier, and I think it's important for the listeners on the podcast as as they're listening to this, we are going to get into some core issues that the closing process is faced with today 
Um, and, you know, one of those, um, just I think we've talked about your background a little bit, but clearly you have some experience in the real estate, in the banking, and now, and more importantly, in the closing process for real estate. Let's talk a little bit about how that's evolved over the years and how real estate closing, so 25, 28 years ago, you know, I'm <laughs> one of my first real estate closing and the, and the buyers and the sellers show up at the same time. They sat across the table from each mm-hmm. other and they may have their agents right there with them. And a lot of times the HUD-1 or the closing forms have been filled out and they, you know, we, we've already went through the metrics or the numbers mm-hmm. in it, but yet there's questions that come up and some negotiation that's still going on. How has that evolved into what you see today? Yeah, so I kind of refer to it as the traditional versus the new tech. Traditional closing is the husband and wife, just talking residential, they show up at the title company they've never been to before to sign their life away. And that's what almost everybody says. I'm here to sign my life away. Mm-hmm. And since they are, it's the biggest transaction that they're doing probably in the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years, whether they're buying or refining. One thing that's I've always referred to it as killing a tree. Everyone always laughs. Paper gets here smiling. Twelve, People, 12 pounds yeah, of paper. Twelve pounds of paper. Yeah, <laughs> we keep the we keep the uh, tree companies in business. So, what happens is the bank sends you the documents, and you kill the tree. You print out all the documents. You make another copy for the homeowner, which now they want it on a flash drive or emailed to them. It's just different. So, typically, you sit with a customer. It's forty to fifty minutes, and that's going quickly. The wife's got to sign, the husband's got to sign, and then they have to date it. It has to be physically notarized there. Um, It's a lot of paperwork. There's kind of two chunks to it. 85% of the documents are the bank documents. The other 15% are the title documents, making Mm. sure that the seller has the right to sell the property, the buyer has the right to buy it, and that they've qualified for the loan. So it's the loan document. So we've always looked at it as it's a celebration. It's supposed to be fun. It's not a haggle. I'm not selling a car to you. Uh, you're not buying a car. It's You're buying a house. When Heather and I bought our first house, we each worked two jobs to afford that house. Scraped up the down payment for the first one, uh, pre-kids, of course. And we got to the closing table. I, I was at the bank working myself. My buddy did the loan. It was stressful. My yeah. wife just mm-hmm. blindly signed, and you see that quite often. The husband or the wife, somebody's just signed, just give me the keys. Typically, people are sweaty and smelly on a purchase because the truck's outside and the moving van's late and the agent's late or on time, whatever it is. That's the traditional closing. The world is changing. Um, if you go back to 2007, 2008, there was one or two big wholesale banks that were doing e-closings. E, just simple electronic closing. Instead of pen and paper, you're using a laptop with a, what do we call it, a wireless card then? Yeah. Now yeah. it's a hotspot or Wi-Fi. And you would click through it. There was 12 sets of documents. They still see all the same information except for Bob, the husband, clicks where his name is. Betty clicks where her name is. And it populates their signature. So there's no ink. Then it populates the date. Ultimately, at the end, I notarize that I, Brian Teese, of blank title, uh, do solemnly swear that they were in front of me, I saw their driver's license, all that fun stuff. The great thing is the bank gets the documents instantly. I can email a copy to the homeowner. Um, It's notarized. You can't mess up, and your wrist isn't killing you. 
right? Yeah. You're just clicking. You're done in 15 minutes. Yep. That was in 2007, 2008. We all know what happened in about that time. My opinion, the research and development money dried up. Banks got scared, and they got away from this technology. Well, what's happened in the last 10 years? People do an electronic signature when they buy stuff. Yeah, Mom, every day. Yeah. yeah. Mom and dad are more comfortable signing electronically for almost anything in their life that deals with money or insurance. So what we're seeing now is a few tech companies that are getting the big banks on board. And there's two parts to doing these e-closings. One is moving the information in a safe and secure environment. I mean, who hasn't been hacked in the last couple of years? Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. I, the grocery store, the other grocery store, uh, my insurance company, and two other things, or someone got my card, and I don't even know how. So we're moving our very personal information around. We want it secure. Not just who is signing, but is the notary verifying their actual identity? How do you do that? So those e-closings are coming back, but then there's another layer to it where they're called virtual signings. So we would schedule, it's not here yet, but probably the next two, three years, um, you schedule a time with them, the homeowners or the buyers, and it can be at any location. You can have the husband on a sales conference in Vegas, the wife can be at her kitchen table in Lee Summit, and I could be in Chesterfield. And everybody logs in on their computers. I don't know if it's going to get to the phones, but either a laptop or tablet. And I'm going to see your faces, or our closers are going to see your faces. We're going to be able to verify your identity through a few different means, and then you're going to electronically sign it. So there's two things that are happening. One is a web-based electronic, I call it just a simple click versus sign. But then there's the virtual, I'm not even in the same room as you, click to sign. Yeah. And that's the yeah. virtual closing. So that's come, the CFPB, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, has finally approved a lot of states for virtual. The big question is, do the homeowners want it? Do the banks love it? And is it really going to happen? But it's, it's, it's approved. It's just a matter of rolling it out. Well, you know, there's so much DL or distance learning going on in the marketplace right now where people are in a classroom and the instructor's not there on site. He's in Pennsylvania or Florida and teaching a class in Oklahoma City. You know, mm -hmm. the room full of people is doing that through uh, web conferencing. Mm -hmm. We do a tremendous amount of web conferencing oh, yeah. actually yeah. inside of the company. Um, it's common sense to me. That that would take place. It sounds like that one of the, the, I guess, the stumbling blocks, or at least the roadblock right now, is just getting it approved by the regulatory bodies that mm -hmm. oversee closings to make sure it's it's fair, it's secure, it's safe. Yep. Um, that it's absolutely and it's uh, it's it's being taken care of in in the manner or means that they intended uh, closing to, to exactly. Take care. And you know, if you go back, there were some rules that changed a few years ago ago called TRID, TILA RESPA Integrated Disclosures. My wife rolls her eyes when I ever say the word TRID. Most bankers are tired of hearing it. But the reality is it's the government uh, mandating that the consumer has the ability to see the information before they get to closing. That's a piece of it. It used to be you go to closing, surprise, these are some fees. Surprise, yeah. these are the title fees. And now for the closing disclosure, which is the final document for all the math associated with it, whether it's appraisal or flood certification, bank fees, title fees, all that fun stuff, that it actually is seen three business days before, 
We call it a pre-CD in the industry. So the banks create the closing disclosure. They send it to the consumer three business days before. They can sleep on it before, whether it's a refi or purchase. So at the closing table, it's more of a formality. It's the way it should be. And then you can't schedule closing last minute anymore. My wife used to get mad at me because I'd get home at 9 o'clock at night because one of my bankers would squeeze it in. Mm -hmm. Well, I've I've always felt it was unprofessional. If my dentist said, you have to be here by 5.30, you don't have any patience. What is wrong with you? Yeah. And and what are you, are you trying to sell me? I don't know what you're trying to sell me. It just doesn't smell right. Yeah. So the regulators changed it. We're a fan as an industry, as a title industry, that it's just more professional. It gets us to closing. It's smoother. Um, I've done over 7,000 closings at people's homes over the years. That's a lot of closings. Mm-hmm. I've had some crazy ones. <laughs> Typically, it's a kitchen table, right? The husband and wife and the dog and the cat jumping on you and the kids wondering who you are. You know, I've had them where I close in the back of AutoZone because the manager's on smoke break. Dog refuses to sign yeah. papers. That's crazy. The general manager for the Lotus dealership closed on the hood of a car 30 minutes. He didn't even look at the paperwork. So we go to the customers. A lot of title companies do. But what's nice about this technology is being virtual. If you have clients with... 900 acres in Colorado, we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Right? They don't need to go to a title company. You just send you send the closer there who's an experienced closer. They happen to be a notary. That's different than just sending a notary because they don't know. They're, they're just a person with a stamp. And you send them to their home, their ranch, golf course, their work. If he's a dentist and she doesn't work, close them in his office and his you know corner suite. You just walk them through the paperwork. So it's either paperwork or now the laptop for E, e signings, or in the future, the virtual signings. And when I say future, I mean the next two to three years. Mm. We can do them. It's just everybody has to be on board with the, the workflow. And that will come, and the banks are going to help shove that through. The agents will love it. To me, it's a little bit of bling, but the world's changing. People are just more comfortable with the computer. Well, they're more comfortable at their houses, too. I mean, honestly, if you're going to go down to a bank versus sitting at your kitchen yeah. table... Yeah, that's a no-brainer to me. Yeah, a lot of people are Absolutely. managing anxiety and stress, yeah. and and they just they feel a lot more relaxed whenever you're meeting with them mm-hmm. on their home turf, mm-hmm. versus bringing them to a. Uh, and it could still be a professional business environment, mm-hmm. but it's kind of like going to the doctor's office. You know, yeah. there's a reason why your blood pressure goes up mm-hmm. a little bit. You're more nervous. Yeah, I mean, just even in our physical office, it's beautiful, by the way. But we have a kids' room with couches and place to do homework and flat screens and video. And we have a dart room. We have all, co- it's, it's very um, homey because we know from a consumer standpoint, that's what they want. They want homey, mm-hmm. but there's nothing more homey than your house. I don't so know. Your house sounds pretty nice. I, I would like hanging out there. I think we'll come over and try out your house. <laughs> yeah. We'll try out your darts. And <laughs> that's funny. We'll tell you which one's homier. Yeah. yeah that's funny. Yeah. So one- I'm going to move something up real quick. I'm going to ask you a question on the heels of that. We're, we're talking about um, mobile closings and, and bringing the closing to you. Are there scenarios in this country that you've ran across where the local closing or title company or in states that are abstract bearing states like Oklahoma where it, it pays or it's beneficial to use a local company versus somebody that's from outside the area. And I'm going to give you a scenario around that. We recently ran across one individual 
uh, transaction where there was a quiet title suit that was needed. And we were trying to navigate this with a 1031 exchange. So there's a little bit of a time element where we just needed expedited service. Exactly. Lo and behold, the the local title company, the, the guy that's the local abstractor, also quill hunts with the district judge right there. And mm-hmm. I said, yeah, we need to... You know, they're out shooting birds together. And he said, we really yeah. need to, this quiet title suit. We need to get this thing kind of done. And I'm going to have some papers to you on Monday. Can we sometime during the week, can you look at those and, and we can do our notices and, yeah. and run this through the system in the next two to three weeks? So are there some unique scenarios like that where it maybe the local politics or you know, kind of greasing those wheels out there to get the transaction yeah. slid yeah. through where it can be advantageous? The title company of choice on a purchase comes from the agent. So the title companies, we go out and make friends with our real estate agents. Mm -hmm. And those real estate professionals hopefully feed us by putting our name on page one of the contract. Buyer to close that blank title, right? When it's a refi, whether it's commercial residential, you're going after the banker. The banker chooses. Even though ultimately the banker's got the money for both transactions, right? That's what you typically see. Depending on the market, just take, for example, St. Louis, there's a lot of joint ventures between title companies and real estate firms. And it's interesting that um, their job is to drive the traffic and feed that joint venture. That's how it typically, that title company is chosen. In terms of an abstract or having, we call it the chain the chain picked, doing the actual title search, title exam, the title research. Um, it doesn't. If you have technology, you can do that anywhere. Most title companies do a few counties, and they drill down deep into that market. Like a tip, like a typical real estate agent at a firm. For example, there's a lady in my neighborhood, like every neighborhood, and she crushes everybody. She mm-hmm. owns that neighborhood. Yeah, she's not going to go to Columbia, Missouri, or Chicago, or Florida. It's just a different business model. For us and, and national firms, we can do the research in any county through a very a variety of relationships. We're licensed, depending on the state, to write the insurance. And then if you do mobile closings, whether it's with the computer or you know the hologram, as we're kind of talking <laughs> about, we can send the closer to their house or to their home. So there can, when you're national you pretty much can cover everything. But if you're an atypical local title company, it's more the relationship that you're going to control, not really the research. Because we can buy the research from anybody, depending on the state. There's a lot of rules and regulations. So your closing company is still, it's very relationship-based with uh, a lot of those local institutions that are Absolutely. I mean, yeah. you've got your sweet spots. You know, I'm more known in my market or markets than others. But it's more of when I have an agent doing an auction deal or a purchase or a refi in, in San Diego, we can do it. The people in San Diego don't necessarily know me. We just send the closure to their home or to their business. And a lot of times they may be buying that second, third property in another state and they live down the street from me. But in terms of closings, I mean, one of my very uh, good friends bought a home blocks away from my office. His primary home is half a mile from my office. Why didn't he come into my office? Yeah. He's got two little kids. And his wife is busy and just closed him the kitchen table. And it took the agent a few minutes to realize that it was okay. 
So there's a lot of different options. But being a local agent, getting strong in your market, doing a few counties is a great business too. There's just di- different business models. Outstanding. We're with Brian Tease of Resolutions Title here in the studio. We're going to slip away, hear from our sponsors. We'll be back. And the second half of this episode, he's going to talk to us about one of the biggest threats that's going on in closing that is uh, and will eventually, if, uh, if you're active enough, affect you in your closing. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. Ever dream of owning a country estate, historic home, or lakefront property? Log on to unitedcountry.com. Would you like to retire to a home built on breathtaking acreage in the mountains? Unitedcountry.com. Ever dream of your own private hunting preserve? unitedcountry.com. Over 30,000 farm, recreational, and lifestyle properties are just a click away, helping people find their American dream for over 90 years. We will help you find yours. Log on now to unitedcountry.com and find your freedom. Thinking about selling a real estate investment, but worried about the taxes you'll have to pay? Property owners just like you have solved their tax issue with a Starker Services 1031 exchange. One call could save you a fortune in taxes. Call Starker Services today at 800-332-1031 or visit online at www.starker.com and keep the tax dollars working for you. Are you looking for heavy equipment but unsure where to start? Then you need to check out AuctionTime.com. Buying great equipment has never been easier than bidding online at AuctionTime.com. What are you waiting for? Online auctions are closing every Wednesday. So register and start bidding today. AuctionTime.com. The way to buy heavy equipment. Crude oil, natural gas, coal. Buying and selling minerals is a breeze when you have the right energy professionals on your team. Mineralmarketing.com is a leading resource for America's mineral owners. Whether you're wanting to lease or sell your mineral rights, Mineral Marketing has you covered. Mineralmarketing.com, the oil and gas marketplace. And we're back in the studio with Brian Tease, uh, Senior Vice President of Resolutions Title, President of Dispersing Resolutions. And uh, Brian, it's uh, so far the first segment's been great, man. Highly informative. Thanks again for having. Um, title isn't typically the most exciting thing in the world, but it's an important part of what you do between the agent and the banker. Um, you know, it's an imp- it's a lot of money to buy anything these days. Well, and it's an it's an integral part of this industry and what we do: auctions, real estate. I mean, obviously, closing the transaction is the finish line. That's that's the goal for everybody. Exactly. And uh, it's buyers, sellers, and and of course the agents that are affiliated with it. So, as we were slipping away for commercial, uh, we had talked about the biggest threat right now, the thing that keeps popping up and is becoming more prevalent in the closing process, and that would be what. It's definitely wire fraud. I knew what, you were going to say that. Yeah. Any land title association, organization, title company, agent, lender, homeowner, business owner, moving money is scary. And unfortunately, there's hackers in our lives, and it's going to get worse. It's not going to get any better. Um, I have a very good friend who is extremely high up on the tech side of a particular uh, uh, credit agency. And we were at a kid's event the other day. Uh, we coached soccer together, actually. And he said, you know, there's two types of people out there. People that know they've been hacked 
and the other group or the people that don't know they've been hacked. It's happening. I mentioned earlier I've been hit whether it's the grocery store or someone bought a bunch of gas in Detroit with my card. I don't even know how they got the card. Mm, yeah. It's scary. It's sad. And again, it's going to get worse. Wire fraud, this is how it typically happens. The the relationship, the tightest relationship in any purchase transaction is between the realtor, so the agent, and the buyer. They're the ones that are trusted the most between their friends. They've been in the car together. They've had coffee. They've met the family. They're driving around. They see the property. What happens is this. A hacker gets in and, and hacks the agent or the banker or the title company, and then they watch the transaction. And they listen, and they learn, and they know what an escrow officer is versus sales versus a closer versus the realtor. They learn everything about a transaction, and they slowly and methodically watch it. And then when wiring instructions, which is just a piece of paper, whether it's emailed or faxed or hand-delivered, is given to the homeowner to wire the funds to buy their building or their property, that those instructions are changed. So you got Betty and John Smith that are buying their dream home, first time, second home, fifth home, whatever it is. They get an email from their lovely agent, and they trust them, and they use the same terms. If there's a country twang to their email and their personality, they're going to have that. Yeah. If they're kind of the city slicker and they talk a certain way, they're going to use their language. They're going to use their company logo. And then they go, hey, here's the wiring instructions. Go ahead and send the 230000 to the title company. Well, guess what? It's going to another bank. And then they try to bounce it offshore as fast as possible, and it's gone. They're getting super sophisticated. It's scary. And and they take their time, and it's methodical, and it happens more and more and more. So as an industry, we all need to be more careful about that. The simplest way that we do it, we always demand that it is a verbal confirmation. Whoever sent in a wire needs to call and speak with the other party they're sending money to and go, are these the wiring instructions, yes or no? And then you got to, as silly as that sounds, you have to match up the phone number. Because people oh, can yeah, use... because they'll just call in mm-hmm. place of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, because they're getting the email that says to call the phone number and they just yep. call opposing as you. Yep. Yeah. And it's going to sound like you and I right next door. You, you, it's not always bounced overseas, okay. which, which is even worse. So... The scariest thing for our industry is moving the money in a safe and secure way. Um, again, verbally confirm everything, confirm the wiring instructions. There's some new technology we're actually investigating. Uh, it verifies the uh, identification. So there's a series of questions that the parties will have to answer to increase the probability that there won't be wire fraud. What we're discussing is you know, the fee. Is it a pass-through fee? Do we charge the Joneses that $9 fee? From a compliance standpoint. You're talking about a security fee, an additional security fee. Exactly. So it's identity theft wire fee. We don't even know what the term is. The banks have a, um, in a sense, a list of fee descriptions or the terms that are charged to the consumer. We're not sure what that term may be. But I think I would not balk as a homeowner. If I was buying my dream home or an investment property or a building, whatever it is, nine bucks to make yeah, sure. Exa- out of the whole grand scheme of really? closing costs and everything, yeah, yeah, nine dollars is not. Yeah. yeah. Is it a pass through? Are we as an industry expected to eat it? I mean, it's part of the transaction. So it's sad that that's happening. Uh, another thing that's happening, and this just, I found out of this one yesterday, got an email. Uh, 
a voicemail to me from one of our customers. I said, I got something in the mail. And I said, what is it? They said, we're not sure if we're supposed to pay it. I thought it was part of the transaction. Somebody mailed them a notice that they, they needed to pay $45 to have their deed recorded. Really? That, they already, it was already recorded. That was, closing, yeah. that was part of the closing costs. Do you remember how they were asking them to pay for it? I think it was a debit card. Debit card. Which means they could be calling either onshore, offshore, wherever. Mm-hmm. They could be down the street from us. We don't know. So they're attacking people even for $45. That's crazy. It is. It's sad. That's crazy. So it's, it's moved from the wire transfer for the closing funds to now it's just little kind of post-closing, post-closing things like, yeah. like filing a deed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, it's, and that is simply, for those of you who aren't as familiar, it, it's documenting and recording it with public record, no, whether it's Jackson County, St. Louis County, or any county in the country or city. It gets recorded. So that if you uh, pull title in the future, you know what's of record. Pretty so what's, what's the solution? What's the immediate answer? You just talked about some scenarios, but it sounds like it's going to be a multi-step validation, yeah. uh, verification that you are the person I'm supposed to be talking with. Mm-hmm. And you have to authenticate that somehow. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to send you some information after we've went through that process that you're supposed to send those funds through. Exactly. Once the transaction's completed, it's completed. No more money to be paid out post-transaction. So if you've received something like a, a deed filing fee, mm-hmm. apparently you're, you're going to have to put the buyers and sellers on notice that they shouldn't have any post-closing fees. Exactly. And, and we take it for granted that it's kind of common sense. People don't do transactions every day. We, That's right. The agents, the bankers, and us title people. They don't buy their dream house to, every day, but you guys yeah, are used yeah. to the paperwork. We, we have day, the yeah. 400 pages to close memorized yeah. at this point in our lives, right? So it's it's sad that it's happening. We all have to be diligent about, educate, from our side, educating the agents because they're the ones being attacked. They don't look at the money the same. They're on the marketing side and the development and getting the land and find the right home and all that. The, the bankers aren't even as sensitive to it. It's, it's all about who's going to get stung. It's happening. It's happening more. And again, I can't say it again. It's just sad. But in some instances, that homeowner, they can lose their funds. And, and part of it, I didn't even mention this, is if you sell your home and you take the proceeds for your next dream home, bigger or you downsize, whatever it is, a lot of time those are the funds being stung. Mm-hmm. Not the 5% down on a $200,000 house, $10,000. That's a lot of money. It's a lot different than when you take the profit of your home after 20 years of ups and downs mm-hmm. and you dump it into the next house and it's gone. And when it's gone, it's gone. So that that's kind of the, the bigger side of things. Um, and those funds, when they're transferred, they're not insured against something like this? I guess it would depend yeah. on yeah. the financial institution that you're getting those from yeah. and how they're routed. Part of that is, does it hit the E&O, who's respon- the errors and emissions? Yeah. Who's responsible? I can if tell the- you from yeah. a recent experience with one of the offices inside of United Country Real Estate, a very recent experience, um, it is not covered on her E&O. Yeah. Uh, I think it was to the tune of, I believe, $10,000. And the broker is responsible for replacing that money. The fraud came through her email account. She got hacked. They uh, basically are putting her in a position to say that 
your lack of security with your email and controls in your office um, allowed this money to be taken out of the closing, you have to put it back in there. Yeah. So again, it goes back to education for not just the agents, but the broker. The broker is the business owner. Then they are responsible for the cybersecurity of their team, of their clients. Um, you, you see this on the, you know, the wealth management side. They, they've got all the cybersecurity in the world. It's not to our side of the industry yet, and we're moving just as much money. So does E&O hit? Does the broker pay for it? Does the homeowner sue? Is it the title company's fault? Is it the lender's fault? Getting hacked, it's a pretty complicated process. So I think some of the solutions is simpler the better, right? Call and verify with the title company or the party that you're sending the money to. Pretty simple. Then the other is the industry needs to find these uh, tech companies that, that are in process of creating a lot of this to have a foothold on preventative uh, wire fraud. Needless to say, if that money comes up missing, somebody is going to want it back. They're not just going to write it off to bad luck. Somebody no. is going to say, yeah. I need that money back in the transaction, possibly because I don't have the money to replace it. So yeah. whoever is at fault, put it back in there. Yeah. And yeah. how you do that is up to you. Exactly. I've but, even seen one of the, the, the top five title insurance underwriters put out a, I bet you it cost $100,000 to make this video. And it was a video of a husband and wife. And to fast forward to the end of the video, it's only two minutes. The wife's in the corner crying because they wired the money in the wrong place because somebody hacked them. So, so give us, short of what you're doing right now, if, if somebody was dealing with, um, with an independent title company today, what is, and they're listening to this podcast, what is just a, just a good checks and balances on the interim before you can start adopting and injecting cybersecurity into your business, what's a good practice? I mean, on on the cuff, I'm going to say just a phone call, phone and, call, and and validating this over the phone mm-hmm. that you just sent this email, and here's the number, the routing number, and yeah, the routing number <clears throat> and the account number, and then who, if there's further credit to, which is just a further detail of who it's going to, uh, just keep it simple. Find out who you're supposed to send the money to. That simple. The tech companies are going to catch up with this because somebody can make money off of these uh, new piece of technology to keep us safe. But cybersecurity is very important. We're moving a lot of money, all of us, and and people's lives. And it's sad. It's but, very sad. Yeah, yeah, it's sad. It's not going to get any better. But to be positive, you know, purchases are up. The market's good, and uh, it's fun to buy a new house. Yeah. yeah. It's also fun to sell it. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe make a buck. You mentioned if I, so I'm going to switch gears real quick. You mentioned earlier, I, I think I heard uh, virtual notary mm-hmm. services. Um, just to make sure that uh, that we drive that point home, because I, um, I think that's something that is of interest. I've had to drive around and search for notaries mm-hmm. before. That's something that is here today. That's coming. Yep. So it's around the corner. <clears throat> So a notary business, you can send out a notary with a stamp, right? Whether you go to a law firm and sign a document, typically you need to have trained mortgage closers with a notary stamp to close, whether it's with paper or clicking through on a laptop or tablet, okay? The virtual is going to be almost Skyping. You're Skyping, 
your wife Skyping, whether it's next door or she's at work, and then the title company can be elsewhere. So you notarize the documents and you can electronically close. So I believe a few months ago there was only a few states approved, and now most states are approved. The challenge there is getting those documents recorded because a lot of counties don't have the technology to record electronically or, as we call it, e-recording. It's just efficient, fast use of technology to make sure the documents are of record with the county or city where you live. It's amazing how fast that the technology is moving forward. Um, electronic signatures on documents. We are doing a, a vast majority of our listing agreements now are through uh, companies like either DocuSign or Dot Loop or Paperless Pipeline. I think we're using DocuSign in in a personal real estate and auction company that uh, that we have, and it uh, it expedites that process. You have right now. There's an instance where there's four siblings. They're in four different states. <laughs> and instead of mailing that around to each one of them, either individually and just circulating it or sending it out and then having to put all the signature pages together, um, you know, within less than 24 hours, it's hitting all of them's email. They sign it, sends it to the next one. Smart. When it's finished, going through the chain, it comes back to us. And it's just, it's super, super simple. The big question that is, do they get along? They do. do they yeah. all get along. That's you the can't. Sir, one yeah. thing I haven't been able to do is circumvent the pre-phone conversations yeah. yet to yeah. make sure we're all on the same page. Yeah. From a closing perspective, they've already been through virtual signing with you. They're they're doing that on their disclosures with the bank or credit union. So when they get to us, they're almost demanding it. So I was at someone's kitchen table last week, and they said, "Can't we just sign this on the computer?" And I looked at him. I go, "Well." We're getting there, and we're excited as an industry. It's coming, yeah. and it's here. And then they kind of just hemmed and hawed because they had to sign so many pages. Like, go talk to your government. Yeah, and go talk make to them gov- get on board with this I and, know. and be yeah. able to virtually record it. We can go along yeah. with that. And some people say, oh, the millennials are pushing this. You know what? My parents want this. Yeah. They're 78 and 81. They don't want to sign paper. Yeah, they, they don't, don't want to drive three hours to go meet somebody. <laughs> no, they don't. They and don't they want to drink our coffee. pounds of paper at the end of the day either that they yeah. have to keep track of somewhere. Exactly. No one's going to read it. No. Brian Tease, Resolutions Title. How do they find you? If they have questions, um, they want to use your title company. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like you're operating in most parts of the U.S., if not all uh, now. And yeah. how, how do we find you? To reach out, probably the best way you can uh, call me directly or jump onto the website. The website, it's resolutionstitle.com. Um, again, we handle all 50 states, anything commercial, anything residential, or construction dispersing. And again, construction dispersing, you're building from the ground up, whether it's a building or you're building a house. So pretty simple. And then my phone number, uh, yeah. 314-724-8510. You can call me directly, 314 724 8510. We'd love to earn your business. Well, we appreciate you coming into the studio today, Brian. This has been awesome. It's very informative. Um, I see Trina over there. Her wheels are just turning now. <laughs> are they? <laughs> oh, yeah. nice. I thought we gave this up. <laughs> uh, you really want to hear about Egg, egg yeah, I do. So while we, badly. So while we were on break, she started talking about her, her mentor, Ed My McMahon. Mentor. <laughs> she got like a poster of Ed McMahon above her desk for some weird reason. <laughs> reason and and he's um, not holding a check in that poster. He's a million dollar check. Well, a- apparently he's not holding a check in any, in any poster. poster so, yeah. Yeah. How did you find that out? 
So fact of the day, it's because I'm full of useless information. That's how we found that out. She gives the fun fact of the day. I give weird information to him all the time. So I was, we were sitting here weirdly talking about Chuck E. Cheese is how this all came about. I love Chuck E. Cheese. And I thought it was funny (laughs) that Chuck E. Cheese, so uh, we'll just start from scratch. Chuck E. Cheese is actually, he's making me laugh so hard. Um, His name is Charles Entertainment Cheese, right? The name of the company, though, is Chuck E. Cheese Entertainment, Inc. So it's actually Charles Entertainment Cheese Entertainment, Inc. is the name of the company. And he died laughing for that for whatever reason. He thought that was great I died laughing because Brian Brian Cheese just said, I love Chuck E. Cheese. My nephew just texted me when I was at lunch. He goes... I miss Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> he's 22. <laughs> Did he really? What a weird yeah, he's, time. He's out of college. That's it's bizarre. Funny. They're still around. He yeah. can go. I, mean, I thought you were talking about Charles in charge. They now. No. <laughs> Charles no, in charge. We're not talking about Charles in charge. So anyway, that segued into just weird conversation that ended up with us talking about Ed McMahon. And we found out weirdly that Ed McMahon has never been the spokesman for Publishers Clearinghouse. Ever. Like, that's just a weird misnomer that everybody has in the back of their head. Everyone He, he never even worked for him. Publishers Clearing yeah, House. Yeah, everyone can see him walking up to the door with this giant check, and it never happened. I don't, I don't understand weird. because I can picture— Google it. It never came. I picture those commercials. It's, it's the government, man. It is. Yep. <laughs> just be careful they wire his commission check. Yeah. <laughs> Be, be careful of the wired. They can't, they can't handle technology, check. but they can make us all think that Ed McMahon yeah. was part of Publishers Clearinghouse. That nice. is hilarious. Yeah. Chuck E. Cheese, fun, Ed McMahon, Publishers Clearinghouse, and to round it all out, Brian Tease with resolutions <laughs> title. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in to the Sail Ring uh, podcast show. We appreciate you being here. Check us out at thesailring.com. Again, that's thesailring.com for all of the episodes. And we look forward to seeing you next time inside the Sail Ring. Thank you for joining us for today's show. To access all resources and links mentioned in today's show, head over to www.thesailring.com now. We appreciate your feedback and encourage you to share the show with other industry pros like yourself. Join us next time as we meet you inside The Sail Ring.